Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Friday, March the 11th, 2022. It is currently 4.01 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Empty Sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church located right here in Ovalo, Texas. I want to begin by reading a couple of quotes. At first, this may not make any sense to many of you. I just ask that you listen to the quotes and then uh, give me a few minutes and everything will make sense. And uh, hopefully this will be beneficial uh, for you to listen. Uh, when, well, hopefully when we're done, you can say that was beneficial and uh, that was helpful. Let's begin with these quotes. A dog is the only thing on earth that loves you more than you love yourself. No matter how you're feeling, a little dog is going to love you. There's a saying, if you want someone to love you forever, buy a dog, feed it, and keep it around. When the dog looks at you, the dog is not thinking what kind of person you are. The dog is not judging you. The greatest pleasure of a dog is that you make a fool of yourself with him. And not only will he not scold you, but he will make a fool of himself too. Actually, my dog, I think, is the only person who consistently loves me all the time. Such short little lives our pets have to spend with us, and they spend most of it waiting for us to come home each day. All of those are quotes about the loyalty of a dog. How loyal your dog is to you, how it doesn't scold you, how it doesn't judge you, how it loves you, how it will stand there waiting, spending most of its day waiting for you to return. And then once you return, they treat you like you're the greatest thing in the world. They can't wait to see you. And then they will just spend their time laying right there next to you. Like their contentment is your presence. The dog demonstrates its loyalty and its love to you. Now, the reason I'm mentioning all of these quotes about dogs and loyalty is first, is because how this entire Bible study exercise this week started. For those who have not been a part of the Bible study exercise this week, those who who maybe this is the first time you've ever heard me speak about the Bible study exercises, the Bible study exercise is designed where we we give you one scripture that you spend an entire week thinking and meditating on. We may give you a topic that's biblical for you to think and meditate on, and we give you assignments, and there is curriculum. And this week, when I opened the curriculum, when 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 I immediately opened the curriculum for this week, this is what I saw. Some of you have seen it because some of you have access to the curriculum. If anyone is listening and you want access to the curriculum, you can email me anytime newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. 
But this week, I think it may have been Saturday. It, it may have been Sunday. I can't remember which day I first talked about it. But I opened up the curriculum and it said session two, a life of loyalty. I'm like, okay, so this week we're, the focus is going to be on the subject of loyalty. All right, and I, and I started thinking about how am I going to approach this subject? Okay, what is, the, what is going to be the text of scripture that they're going to utilize? And I started thinking of that way. And then the very, right underneath that title, there's a picture. And it's a picture of a dog standing there looking at a door. And you know immediately that that dog is loyally, is showing its loyalty by, by standing there, loyal to its master, waiting for its master to come home. That's what the dog is doing. It's waiting for its master to return. It's, it's in a sense, just standing there, showing that loyalty. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's an awesome picture to me because I am like, I mean, it, I mean, I know lots of people claim to be an animal person. I will just say I'm an animal person of the animal people. Okay. I love animals, love animals, love animals. I, I hate to see them harmed. I hate when people mistreat them. I hate people when they are, I hate how many people treat their animals. So I love animals, love, love animals. And my, my love for dogs go way, way back when we first moved to uh, Buffalo Gap, Texas. We first moved to Buffalo Gap, Texas. We uh, we pulled up the, up the house the first day that we were going to start moving our stuff in. And there was a dog that had been tied to the tree right there in the yard. Buffalo Gap has these big oak trees and it had been tied and it looked like it had not eaten. It looked like it had been beaten. I don't know what messed up thing that the dog had gone through, but my mother tried to walk up to the dog and it, 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 lo- it lost it. It, it like it was tr- trying to kill her. My dad couldn't get close to it. Nobody could get close to the dog. So they told me to stay away from it. But as soon as they walked away, I walked right up to the dog and the dog did not bark at me, did not growl. It, It simply laid down. I took it off its leash, fed it, and that dog stayed with me through thick and thin. I mean, I mean, that dog, nobody could get near me. Nobody could raise its voice towards me. Because if it did, that dog would attack. And, well, sadly, someone shot and killed the dog for, well, I won't go through the whole story, but again, another horrible way that some people uh, treat animals. But we won't get into all of that. But that, I mean, that's just, and I can go all the way back to when I was very little. Uh, we had a German shepherd and uh, the the dog was super protective of me. But I've, 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 I love dogs. I've, I love all kinds of animals. So when I saw that, immediately I'm like, okay, yes, I know the loyalty of a dog. And I started thinking about my dog, right? My dog, his name was Connor. Very, very little, small, miniature Dotson. Um, and that dog, whenever I would come to the church or go anywhere, if I was, I mean, people was, you know, my, my dog would sit there and sniff at the door and sniff at the door, waiting for me to come back, waiting for me to come back and would be visibly upset that I would leave him. And as soon as I come back, he would walk right back to me with the study, at the, to the study and lay down and just sit there. And he, he was, wherever I went, he was with me. He, he couldn't be apart from me. So I know that loyalty that dog demonstrated to me. And if, if I had a seizure, if I woke up, there was the dog laying right there next to me, like, you know, showing that loyalty to me, like, okay, I don't know what's going on. This person had a seizure, but I'm going to sit right there next to him. So I know 
that the loyalty of 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 my dog. So immediately I'm like, okay, I, that, that's, that's a good picture. And I just saw it as, okay, it's a good symbol of loyalty. It's great. It's wonderful. I had no idea what was going to happen this week. Had no idea. This morning, right before 8 a.m., my dog passed away. Now, my dog had, had gotten much older and was starting to have many health problems. The dog had just recently had a horrible, horrible infection that required it to lose almost all of its teeth. And we were still trying to help it recover from that. Um, it's, it started having major problems with its back legs being able to walk, which was horrible. We were thinking we we're going to have to go back to the vet um, to take care of it there. But this morning... Um, he, we, we've been basically been carrying him around so he, he wouldn't have to walk. But this morning he got up and he, he seemed to be halfway. Okay. I was, I took him outside to go to the bathroom. He was able to walk back in. I put him next to, uh, I put him next to, uh, his bowl of water and food and he was able to eat his food and everything was going wonderful and great. And then I, I sat him down and I went to take a shower. And the next thing you know, I heard these like, horrible crying like he, he's crying so I got out of the shower and ran up to him and he's he's just yelping like he's crying like something is wrong and we're sitting there looking at him and all of a sudden he just lays his head down and we kind of step back and we start talking like okay man I know he's been having problems with his back legs I mean I, I know we, we're trying to figure out like what could it be we're gonna have to make another vet appointment trying to figure all that we're just kind of try like just talking back and forth trying to you know, what, what do we do? What do we do? But at least he's not crying anymore. At least he's not yelping. We don't know what's going on. And all of a sudden I stopped and I looked down. And I'm like, is he breathing? Is he breathing? I'm like, and almost like this panic hit me. I'm like, is, is, is he's not breathing. And we started trying to shake him, trying to feel for a pulse. I'm like, are you know, are, hey, his name was Connor. Connor, are you okay? You, you okay, Connor? Connor, Connor, Connor. And he was gone. Just gone. No more. And, well, let's just say I wasn't in a very good shape. Let's just say that. I, I have spent a lot of my day <laughs> crying. Uh, we had to call the vet. I had to take him to the vet and we paid, uh, you know, you know, for them to take care of the body and, uh, you know, driving him there wasn't a pleasant experience. Carrying him in was not a pleasant experience. Uh, but you know, when I, when I drive back home, you know, he won't be waiting for me at the door. He he won't be waiting there at the door for me. He He won't be standing there like the loyal dog that he's been waiting for me. Can't wait for me to walk through the door. And when I walk through the door, yeah, it's it's going to be emotional. But I hope that in the midst of this not such a good day, I did not want to just ignore the Bible study exercise for this week. And it's just, I, I mean, I... I, I what are the chances that the cover art for the Bible study curriculum would be a dog standing at the door waiting in the very week that my dog 
was going to die in a very just shocking, horrible way. I mean, it was just horrible in that sense. Now, it, 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 in some ways, I mean, yeah, I mean, we could continue to talk about that, but you're not here to talk about my dog and everything about that. I know nobody, I mean, some of you may care, but I think the average person probably doesn't. Um, yeah, I, I feel, I feel horrible that, you know, we had to go through the whole horrible procedure for him get losing, you know, getting all of his teeth pulled. Um, and that he was still recovering from that. Um, I, I, I'm, you know, I hate that he had to go through that, you know, leading up to this horrible end of his life. But as I, as I sit here and try to process everything, again, I just find it fascinating that that's the image that was used. That was the image that was used. But, but hopefully what I want to do here is I want to just talk about loyalty. And yes, maybe maybe the loyalty of a pet, maybe that will ring true to you. Maybe it will not. Some illustrations mean something to some people and some illustrations don't mean anything. The loyalty of an animal means something to me because I always do feel animals are very loyal. And especially after I developed my seizure disorder, um, I, I had different animals. In fact, my dog who, who passed away this morning, his brother, Caspian, was a dog who had seizures as well that I took care of. Um, and and he was very aware of my seizures and almost could sense that they were coming. But all the dogs we ever had, if I had a seizure and I woke up, there they were laying, sitting there next to me, like like laying there next to me. And uh, so I, I, I guess maybe that gives me a greater appreciation for their loyalty that, that I would have a seizure and sometimes I felt like nobody else could understand. Nobody else... I, I maybe I didn't understand or could sense anybody else's compassion, but I always felt that when I came out of my seizure and I looked over at the dogs, I, I, you know, it just felt like they got it, or they, or that they, you could just sense or or feel like they had some kind of compassion, or that that, that just happened to be there and they just stuck with you. So there's that loyalty to them. So it it really, it just it makes it a powerful illustration for me this week. So. Here's what I want to do. I know we've been working on John 13, and and I, I am going to go back to that and, and and hopefully end with John 13. But as I was just thinking about loyalty and the loyal, loyalty of an animal, the loyalty. Hopefully, as a dog owner, I always tried to show. I've tried to show the dogs that I've had and try to take care of them, even when they were in really bad shape, and hopefully making their life as comfortable uh, to the end. It it, it brought up other forms of loyalty that I think are very important. And I know many of you have been working on the Bible study exercise this week. Y'all have done a very good job. I greatly appreciate that. That's been very encouraging. I would strongly encourage all of those who are part of the Discord channel, please share your work there so that everyone can see it because uh, that that really that encourages and helps everyone because everyone had kind of approached the study in their own interesting perspective and direction. And I think it will benefit everyone greatly because I don't want, uh, I want everyone to benefit as much as they can from uh, everyone's work. Uh, but I was reading and I don't remember how I came across this, but it's uh, something that was written in 1908, 1908 by J.R. Miller. Don't know anything about J.R. Miller, but 1908, and is entitled Loyalty to Christ. Loyalty to Christ. Because as amazing, I want you to really think about this, as amazing as is the loyalty 
that a dog can have to its owner. As amazing as that loyalty is, that a dog is right there. It doesn't judge you. It just, it's there for you. It doesn't look down upon you. It just shows you love. It shows you loyalty. As, as, as amazing that is. And maybe some people don't appreciate that. I understand not everyone's an animal person. So, but for those of us who are, that that loyalty to me is greatly appreciated. That no matter what else happens, that you can look and there's the dog. No matter no matter how much you may have messed up or how many people you've disappointed, the dog just seems to be right there with you and doesn't hold it against you. That loyalty and 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 is is just amazing from an animal. But we should never forget first and foremost the loyalty that God has demonstrated. And when I say loyalty, his faithfulness, his loyalty, his love towards us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, whosoever believeth should not perish but have everlasting life. That is great loyalty and love that he would send his only son to die for me, a sinner. It is great loyalty that no matter how many times I let God down, there is complete and perfect forgiveness because of Jesus Christ. That when I am faith, I am not faithful, he remains faithful. When I sin, he's there to forgive. There's a loyalty there. Even in our text uh, for last week, John chapter 13, verse 1, which I think is very critical to the text for, for this week, which is John 13, 18 to 38, we read these words. Now, before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of the world unto the Father Having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. He loved them unto the end. That, that's that's a, a love that's hard to, to comprehend. God loved his, his sinful disciples unto the end. He has demonstrated his love towards us. Well, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The loyalty that we have received from God, his faithfulness, his, his love, his long suffering, his compassion should greatly motivate us to want to be loyal to him. I want us to think of God's, in a sense, his loyalty to us. Forgiving interceding, preserving. He's given us the Holy Spirit to preserve us, to keep us, to seal us. He intercedes for us. He's forgiven us. He's imputed the righteousness of his son to us. All for us. And we don't deserve it. Now, after we think about his loyalty, we have to then think about our loyalty to him. And that's where this article begins. And I'm just going to read through some of this. Loyalty to Christ begins in the heart. We must love him supremely. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Nothing makes worthy discipleship if love is lacking. 
And these days, Christian activity is emphasized and required. Never was the church of Christ as active as it is now. This is beautiful, but with all our activity, we fear lest we are not loving Christ as we should. Loyalty to Christ begins in the heart. Do we have a heart that is loyal to him, that we love him supremely? He has loved us. He loved us so much he gave us his only son. He's loved us while we were yet enemies. Do we love him? We, we, we do lots of things. We, there's lots of activities. There's lots of discussions and talk within the church. But do we truly have a heart that is loyal to Christ? Now, we're always going to fall short in all of this. The good news is no matter how, how disloyal we are, he remains loyal. No matter how unfaithful we demonstrate to be, he remains faithful, which should then motivate us to want to be more loyal and faithful to him. And one of the epistles to the seven churches, Jesus commends the church of Ephesus for many things. It's works, it's toil, it's patience, and that it could not bear evil men. But he adds, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. With all of its activity and self-sacrificing service, it did not love Jesus as it used to do. Sometimes we find ourselves not loving Christ the way we should, the way we have. We, 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 we fall short. We may still be busy. We still may be doing a lot of talking, but there's a lack of love and loyalty to Christ. Now, again, we should feel convicted by that, but then celebrate the fact that he has remained loyal to us. G. Campbell Morgan tells of a friend of his who had a little daughter that he dearly loved. They were great friends, the father and daughter, and were always together. But there seemed to come an, an estrangement on the child's part. The father could not get her company as formerly. She seemed to shun him. If he wanted her to walk with him, she had something else to do. The father was grieved and could not understand what the trouble was. His birthday came, and in the morning, his daughter came to his room, her face radiant with love, and handed him a present. Opening the parcel, he found a pair of exquisitely worked slippers. The father said, my child, it was very good of you to buy me such lovely slippers. Oh, father, she said, I did not buy them. I made them for you. Looking at her, he said, I think I understand now. What long has been a mystery to me? Is this what you've been doing the last three months? Yes, she said, but how did you know how long I had been at work on them? He said, because for three months, I have missed your company and your love. I've wanted you with me, but you have been too busy. These are beautiful slippers, but next time buy your present and let me have you all the days. I would rather have my child herself than anything she could make for me. Now, obviously, illustration, we can be busy doing things, quote unquote, as Christians and fail to actually love Christ and be loyal to him. We may feel like we're being loyal. We may feel like we're, we love God because we're busy, but actually we may be busy doing other thing, other, everything other than loving him. And I think that's probably a warning first and foremost for those in ministry because, well, many times we can get busy in ministry and not be loyal actually to Christ. We can be loyal to ministry and not to Christ. We can love ministry and not actually love Christ. 
We are in danger of being so busy in the Lord's work that we cannot be enough with the Lord and, and love and love's fellowship. He may say to us, I like your works, your toils, your service, but I miss the love you gave me at first. There's real danger that we get so busy in striving to be active Christians, so absorbed in our task and duties, our efforts to bring others into the church that Christ himself should be less loved and shall miss our, our communing with him. Loyalty must, first of all, means, first of all, heart devotion. Has Christ really the highest place in your heart? It is not your work he wants most. It is you. It is beautiful to do things for him. It is still more beautiful to make a home for him in your heart. And again, I'm going to go back to the dog illustration since that's so relevant to me. The dog, my dog did not care what I was doing when I left the house. He didn't care if I was coming to the church to, to work so that, you know, uh, you know, the church makes my house payment so that they'll make my house payment so he would have a place to live. He didn't care if I was off earning extra money. He didn't care about money or what I was doing. All the dog cared is that I came back and spent time with him. That's all the dog cared about. And a roundabout way, yes, Christ obviously cares about the things that we do because he calls us to do many things but he doesn't want us to depart from our first love, which has to be him. I think sometimes as Christians, we can fall in love with the theology of God. We can fall in love with the doctrine of the Bible. We can fall in love with the morality of scripture. And while we love theology, we love doctrine, we love morality, and we love the pursuit of truth, we can find ourselves not really loving God. And once we stop loving God, then we become loyal to everything else other than God. And then ultimately it begins to, our Christian life will begin to unravel and everything will begin to fall apart. I think that's very important. Loyalty means, first of all, heart devotion. Has Christ really the highest place in your heart? It is not your work he wants most, it is you. It is beautiful to do things for him. It is still more beautiful to make a home for him in your heart. A young man at great cost has brought from many countries the most beautiful materials he could find and has built as a memorial to his dead wife an exquisite little chapel. Only a few men could do anything so rare, so lovely. But the poorest of us can enthrone our loved ones and our hearts. And the poorest of us can please Christ even more by making a little sanctuary in our hearts for him. So there's a, a, a heart loyalty, a heart devotion. Then this article goes on to say, there must be loyalty of life. If there is true supreme love in the heart, there should be a holy life and character. Here again, we need to guard against devotion to work and service, um, while in the life, the world sees there are so many flaws and blemishes that, that the impression is not that the impression is not to the honor of Christ. He is very patient with our infirmities and our stumblings. If he were not, who of us could hope to please him? In other words, what they're saying here, and I apologize if my reading is not great today, but yeah, um, it's been a, been a difficult day, but the, the heart devotion 
should lead to some loyalty of life and trying to live a life pleasing to him. Now, they even acknowledge we're not going to ever do it perfectly. So, we, I mean, I, I don't want to, want to ever give the wrong impression. We're, we're always going to fall short, but we, we should constantly be trying to live a life that demonstrates loyalty to Christ, not just in heart, but in action. Um, we are inexperienced, mere learners at first. We misspell our words. We blunder in our grammar. We sing out of tune. Some of us are just beginning our Christian life and are discouraged already because we have failed to be what we meant to be and to live as beautifully as we sure, as we were sure we would live. Christ is patient with us when he knows that we are true in our heart, then, then that we really want to be faithful. Charles Kingsley says, Oh, at least be able to say in that day, Lord, I'm no hero. I have been careless. I have been cowardly. Sometimes I've, I have even been, you know, mutinous. I've, I've, I've basically, you know, declared mutiny against you. Punishment I have deserved. I deny it not. But a traitor I have never been. A deserter I have never been. I have tried to fight on your side and battle against evil. I have tried to do the duty which lay nearest me and to leave whatsoever you've committed to my charge a little better than I found it. I have not been perfect, but I have at least tried to be perfect. Christ never forgets how frail we are, but he does want, but he does not want us to ever give up. Though we stumble when we are learning to walk, he wants us to get up and try again. Though we are defeated in our battle, tomorrow he wants us to rise at once and keep on fighting. A true soldier may be wounded, may be beaten in many battles, but he never is a deserter, never is he a traitor. He is always loyal. It is only when we desert Christ, turn away from him because become false to him that we really fail. You can never fail if you are true, if you are faithful. But we should always keep the standard of loyalty up to the highest point. The command is be perfect even as your father in heaven is perfect. The standard must never be lowered. Christ's own thought of loyalty is simple faithfulness. Be faithful. Faithful seems a gracious word. It requires nothing impossible. It demands nothing unreasonable. It only asks for a just return. It does not exact 10 talents when only two have been given. It is a word of love. Christ is a gentle taskmaster taskmaster. Yet the word sets a high requirement, one, two, which cannot be lowered. It must have the best that we can do when much have been given. A little will not be satisfactory in return. So there must, so there must be a loyalty in heart. There must be loyalty in life. There must be loyalty in character. Paul suggests a cluster of the fruits of the spirit, which do not take an active form. Love, Joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control. Most of the, these are quiet virtues. They're qualities of character. One might possess many of them and not be able to say he was an active Christian. Peace is not active. Joy, long-suffering, goodness are not active. Yet these graces are essential to a complete Christian life. We must be thinking of the passive and quiet virtues as well as the active ones, when we are trying to discover the full meaning of loyalty to Christ. And I talked about some of this on Wednesday night. And I tried to draw a contrast between the fruits of the Spirit, which is there, there, there are these characteristics, these attitudes that are there. And we need loyalty in our character, not just loyalty in our actions. We need a, a loyalty there of love, joy, peace, long-suffering. 
that that the, the that loyalty is one of those characteristics that sometimes don't doesn't get that much attention. We need to become loyal to Christ. Because that character is important. Um, we must think of the passive and quiet virtues as well as the active ones when we're trying to discover the full meaning of loyalty to Christ. Here is a man, for example, who bears the name of Christian, but he is not loving. He is hard to live with, irritable, angry, resentful. He has no joy, but is a gloomy, a sad man. He has no peace, but he is fretful, anxious, restless, full of fear and worry. He has no meekness. He is impatient. Um, unmerciful, lacking the qualities of love, joy, peace, meekness. Can you call such a man a loyal follower of Christ? He may be a lively Christian so far as activities are concerned, a prominent church member, a zealous church officer, foremost in the organizations of the church, yet he is not a man who would be called a beautiful Christian. Loyalty must be Christ-like in character and disposition and spirit and the shining of the face and then the lovingness of the heart. But loyalty to Christ must also be active. All right. Um, They say, this article goes on to say, a true patriot is a quiet and peaceable citizen in times of peace. But when the country is imperiled, he is ready for service. He takes the soldier's place. The Christian belongs in the army of Christ and must follow the king to battle. He who fails to do his part in the conquest of the world cannot call himself fully loyal to Christ. He may not be an enemy of Christ, but he is a, uh, a shirker of his, uh, and lacking courage. Loyalty to Christ means acti- activity in the service of Christ. Find your work, what you can do to make the world holier, happier, truer, and do that with all your might. A good man A good woman deplored her lack of usefulness, yet many knew that her daily life was a constant blessing. She sweetened a home, blessed a house full of children and young people, and manifested the love of Christ among her neighbors. Was that not being an active Christian? There is an activity of being as well as an activity of doing. Loyalty to Christ also demands of us the uttermost of sincerity and truth in all our living. God desires truth in the inward parts. Yet there are not men, yet are there not men who claim to be Christians and are living a lie? There are lives that are honeycombed by all manners of unfaithfulness, dishonesties, injustices, and injuries to others, and by many secret sins. What does the lesson of loyalty to Christ have to teach us about these things? Are covered sins safely hidden? Are they out of sight forever? Oh no, be sure that your sin will find you out. The word is not be sure that your sin will be found out. It may be found out in this world, but it will be found, but it will find you out. It will plague you, spoil your happiness and make your life wretched. What should be done? What shall we do about these things, about these wrong things we have done? A life of loyalty to Christ means a life that is white, clean, uh, means a life that is white, clean through and through. None can build a beautiful, shining character upon covered sins. Joy is a part of a complete Christian life, and no one can be joyous with sins concealed in his hearts. Paul has a word about bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We should test every feeling, every imagination, every disposition, all conduct by the test, loyalty to Christ. Someone does you wrong and you feel, uh, feel like getting angry, be loyal to Christ. Keep your life whole every day, every hour under the sway of 
his word. And then, so before I read the end of this, loyalty to Christ is loyalty in the heart. Loyalty to Christ is loyalty of life. Loyalty to Christ is loyalty in character. It's loyalty in activity and it's loyalty in sincerity and truth. These are all aspects of being loyal to Christ. And what should motivate that is not law. It's not legalism. It is the loyalty of Christ to us that should bring about loyalty to him. And yes, we will be imperfect. Yes, we will fall short. Yes, we will never do it right. But we should strive just as we love him because he first loved us. We demonstrate our loyalty to him as he demonstrated his loyalty to us, as he loved his own till the end. Loyalty to Christ really is the summary of the Christian life, according to this article. And it says this, I will be faithful to Christ. I will be true to Christ. I will please Christ. I will be obedient to Christ. I will do his will. I will submit to his discipline. I will bear uh, the cross he lays upon me. Now, of course, we're never, that's what we should long to do. That's what should be in our heart. We will never do any of those things perfectly, but we should have a desire to do them in any way that we can, that we can try to be faithful. We can try to be true. We can try to please him. We can seek to be obedient to him. We can seek his will, not our will. We can be willing to submit to his discipline and that we will bear the cross that, uh, that we are called to bear in order to follow him. Now, that's all about loyalty to Christ. We contrast that with the text that was the text you're supposed to be living with all week. John chapter 13. John chapter 13, we'll just start in verse 21. When Jesus, when Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked one to another, doubting of whom he spake. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask, who should it be of whom he spake? He then lying on Jesus' breast saith unto him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, he, he it is to whom I shall give a sop where I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Um. And after the sop, Satan entered into Judas, entered into, that it says entered into him, but entered into Judas. And then Jesus said unto him, that thou doest, do quickly. Now, no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto him. For some of them thought because Judas had the bag that Jesus had said to him, buy those things that we need against the feast or that he should give something to the poor. He then, having received the sop, went immediately out, and it was night. Satan enters into Judas. He goes out. Jesus says, what you do, do it quickly. He goes out, and he betrays Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. He betrays him with a kiss. 
This week, we've been talking about loyalty, and we read a section of scripture that shows something so horrible, so a betrayal, a, a complete lack of loyalty, complete disloyalty in Judas. He betrays Jesus with a kiss. He betrays him for 30 pieces of silver, and it ends in a horrible, tragic way. That should challenge us about our, how, what do we sell Christ out for? Do we sell him out for 30 pieces of silver? What do we sell him out with a kiss? It should challenge us about our own disloyalty towards Christ. But the text doesn't stop there, does it? Verse 31, therefore, when he was gone out, Jesus said, now, now is the son of man glorified and God is glorified in him. If God be glorified in him, God also shall glorify him in himself and shall straightway glorify him. Little children, yet a little while, I, I let a little while I am with you. You shall seek me. And as I said unto the Jews, whether I go, you cannot come. So now I say to you, A new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. In the midst of this discussion about loyalty, God's loyalty to us, our loyalty to him, the example of disloyalty in Judas, we get a command that we are to love one another as Christ has loved us. And he has loved his own to the end. It's a loyal love. And that loyalty, that, 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 that loyalty of love that we should give to God, we must be also willing to show that kind of loyalty to other people. How loyal are you to those around you? Are you, are you so loyal that you stick with someone? That doesn't mean overlooking their sin, ignoring their sin, or, or denying their sin. It's, it's not about covering up someone's sin. It's about, yes, you still will deal with someone's sin. You still may have to confront someone, but you do so in the most loving way and that you don't, you know, go out and expose it to everyone else. You deal with it and it has to be dealt in a correct way, but you still show loyalty. How loyal are you to someone? How much do you love someone? By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. The very thing that should demonstrate to us, the one one thing that should demonstrate to the world that we are Christians is that we have this love, this loyal love for one another as Christ has that loyal love for us. He loved his own till the very end. Do we have that? Verse 36, Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whether goest thou? Jesus answered him, whether I go, thou cannot cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterwards. Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I not follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. Now, Peter feels that he has this kind of loyalty. He's like, I, I am loyal. I love you. I'm going to follow you. But, but then he is warned. Will thou lay, uh, Jesus answered him, will thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, the cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. The chapter ends with that warning. 
Will you lay down your life for me? Will you actually lay your down? Are you loyal enough to lay your life down for me? Peter thinks he is. Peter thinks I am that loyal to you. I am that loyal to you. But what is he going to do? Do you know Jesus? I I don't know Jesus. He's going to deny him once, twice, three times. I think there's something else about our loyalty to Christ. I think we must have a, a loyalty of the heart. It's, it's a, 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 a loving loyalty. Yes, I think it's a loyalty of life, that we live a life trying to demonstrate that loyalty. It's a loyalty of character. It's not just, we, we forget those, those, those attributes of character, of love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Sometimes we think loyalty is, I, well, I don't drink, I don't do drugs, I don't, you know, like just external actions. There's a loyalty in our and our character, and our at, and our attributes, and our attitudes. There is a loyalty in activity. There's a loyalty of sincerity and truth. I think this is a very important. But we also need a very humble loyalty, a humility so that it can acknowledge when we may be disloyal, acknowledge when we have been disloyal, and acknowledge our own weakness and trying to be loyal. Peter thought he had it all. I can do it. I, I know I will lay down my life. And the next thing you know, he denies him three times. But here's, here's, here's another concept of loyalty that I want to think about. Loyalty in the midst of failure. Loyalty in the midst of sin. I I, I think this is a concept of loyalty that's sometimes not talked about. The Christian life sometimes is almost, it's almost kind of, outlined this way. Okay, you were a really, 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 really bad sinner. Okay, well, praise God. Now that you're a Christian, all of that bad stuff is forgiven. Now we can just move on. Great. That's awesome. Great. The the gospel forgives you of all of that. It's all covered in the blood of Jesus. You are forgiven. It's wonderful. But then the idea is now, not just positionally, but practically, now you're a new creature. The old is gone and everything is new. Well, we know there's a problem with that because the old nature is not gone. So that we're, we're a new creature in our position, but in practice, we're still sinners. But this almost gets overlooked. So now you start living your Christian life and and it almost goes like this. Okay, live out your Christian life. You need to try to be godly. You need to try to live. But if there there are certain sins, there are certain big public scandals that if you commit them, they are so big and so bad that everyone will abandon you. And it's almost taught like, well, I'm sorry, Christianity didn't work out for you. You blew it. Now you go, you know, you're done. Now, they may say you're not really done. God will forgive you, but they're really quick to say God will forgive you. But, however, but, 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 and they want to put 900 now consequences that you have to experience. I've said it so many times. And the way many modern Christians think, after David did what he did, he would have never been allowed to write any of the Psalms because he committed adultery and murder. Solomon would have never been allowed to write any of the books he wrote because he was a serial adulterer and polygamist and an idolater is where he ends up. Peter would have never been allowed in the modern church to preach on the day of Pentecost because he denied Jesus three times, just not too far removed from that sermon. I mean, or, or, or not too far, or very just before that sermon, if I can speak correctly today. 
Again, I apologize, but it's been a, it's been a long, stressful day. So I want to just bring this concept up. Yes, I wish loyalty would keep me away from sin. Yes, I wish loyalty would make me holy, perfect, and righteousness, but you know, and, and righteous. But the reality is, I can try to be loyal as I can be, but I'm always going to demonstrate some level of disloyalty because there's disloyalty to God built into me. But here's the thing. Is it not possible that in the midst of your sin, you can still demonstrate loyalty by getting back up? Is it possible that loyalty can be shown even in your failure because you get back up and you continue to move forward? Peter denied Jesus three times. Horrible, egregious just, I mean, what in the world are you doing? You're literally denying the one who's suffering for to save you from your sins. The disciples run off in fear and hide. There's failure. There's, there's almost a sense of cowardice. They, they all run off. It's the women who stick around and John sticks around, but everyone else runs off and hides. Peter denies him. But we know that what Peter does after he denies him, he goes out and he weeps bitterly. And then he's restored. And then he gets right back up and he preaches. There has to be room for someone to demonstrate that loyalty even after they've fallen. There's got to be, we need loyalty, not just to keep us from falling, but we need loyalty that will cause us to get back up after we have fallen. Even if everyone else will, will, will condemn you and brand you and, and, and think that you should never do anything ever again because you failed. Some people think you should never move again, speak again, do anything again. But the, again, the, the, the Bible shows people who failed, who God still used in, in, in powerful ways. Doesn't mean we excuse the sin, overlook the sin. There has to be a place for loyalty to be demonstrated in there. So I think there needs to be loyalty in the midst of failure. We fail. God remains loyal to us in forgiving us and cleansing us from our unrighteousness. We have to get back up and continue to show loyalty to him in spite of our failure, in spite of the shame, in spite of the humiliation. I think that has to be a part of it as well. Loyalty. God is loyal to us. We should challenge us to be loyal to him. That loyalty should be shown in a number of ways. Loyalty of heart, loyalty of character, loyalty of action, Loyalty of, 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 of truth, all of the different things we talked about. Loyalty in the midst of failure. And it also should be demonstrated in our, in our loyalty to others. There's, a, I, there's some other ideas there that I'm kind of formulating, and, and, I, and I could have kind of recited a little bit of these in a little clearer way, but, but I, I don't... I kind of want to leave it a little messy at the end because I want you to take a lot of this and just think and meditate on your own.
Maybe it means something to you. Maybe it doesn't. That picture for the Bible study curriculum this week of the dog obviously means a lot to me. And for years, every time I would come to this church, my dog would be sitting there waiting for me to come home. He stayed loyal all the way to the end. When he was yelping this morning, I don't know if he was in pain. I don't know if he was trying to call for me. I don't know what. But in a sense, he tried to stay loyal all the way to the end. He won't be waiting for me when I come home. Because he's gone. But maybe, as imperfect as it is, maybe the loyalty of a dog to its owner can challenge us to be more loyal not only to our God, but loyal to one another. Maybe something from this 52 minutes will be beneficial. I hope it will be beneficial, and I hope that it will be helpful. All right, thanks for listening. You can email me at newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening. God bless.